Today on the show, I'm happy to have Ashri Cohen. He's a fractional CTO firm, and they also do some technical recruiting. And when you were first getting into software, when you're 13 years old and learning about how to program the internet, what exactly was the first venture there? It wasn't as much of a venture as, as I, back in the day, back in the 90s, you could download basically any piece of software off of what is now considered the dark web or the dark net. Back then, that was just the internet. We had very few websites where multi IP addresses connected to a bunch of servers somewhere. And unfortunately, there were a lot of bad actors that would masquerade in games and whatnot and movies with and hiding child pornography in there, unfortunately. And you catch that, yeah, what the hell's going on, right? What do you do with this? Obviously, you delete it. It's disgusting. But you're 13 years old yourself, right? I went to the police, did nothing because they didn't understand what the hell I was talking about in any way, shape, or form. A couple of buddies of mine, internet people, I have no idea, could have been an 80-year-old man for all I can. I have no idea, right? People, we worked together. We learned how to write viruses to attack these individuals. And we would deliver viruses that effectively would destroy their machines. Because back then, you could write code that if you're old enough to remember spinning hard drives, back then, operating systems were insecure that you could drive the hard drive head into the hard drive and scratch the hard drive up and physically destroy the machine. Now you can't do that anymore. Forget it. It's not even possible. But back then you could do that. That was my first foray into software development. And I chose C++, one, one of the hardest languages out there. And then that moved into the, the first business in school. What was that one about? All right. So I was a hustler in school, right? So I was a hustler in school. And so what I did is back then you could, there was no protection on games, on software. There was barely a serial number. None of this anti-piracy because piracy didn't exist back then. But you did have CD writers just popping up and they were very expensive. So I bought my first one after saving a whole bunch of babysitting money, right? And I started pirating games for my friends. Obviously it's unethical, obviously it's illegal, but back then, what the hell did I know, right? I was 13 and really nobody knew anything, any difference. So my moral and ethical compass was not as finely tuned as it is today. And I started getting popular for that specific reason, right? Where I could, I could get you basically any game you wanted, any movie you wanted, any software you wanted. And so I even created an order form printed out the order form, put it into people's lockers. They would sign it. They would put it back into my locker saying, this is exactly what I want. There was the price point and everything. And it could take me a month and a half to two months to get you your software. Because back then writing a CD took four, five, six hours. One of them, I had one and then I had another CD writer and another one. And eventually I had a rack full of them and multiple computers working all at the same time. And it made a nice chunk of change. And I struck a change that way. That was fun. Bought my first sports car when I turned uh, 20. That worked. Yeah. So you definitely had the bug. And oh, yeah. from there, it was this, what, did, it, did you ever end up going to work for somebody or was it always? I did. Back then, I didn't do university for software development. So I was completely self-taught. And so I didn't do university. And so back then, you had to have a university degree. Nobody even understood how you could get into software engineering. There was no such thing as software development. It was all software engineering. So you need an engineering degree. Now we have software development, much easier to get into the business. However, I did end up working for a couple of companies. I built the precursor of a very, very famous uh, website that ends with hub and the payment processing. And that, so I think what I was 21, 
and I had built a payment processing system for my employers that was transacting $30 million a month internationally. It was nuts. It was a beautiful piece of work. I think so. I left that business pretty, pretty quickly on, went to consulting firm and saw how consulting, you can make some decent amount of money with consulting and stayed there two years. And I said, I'm like, I could get an executive MBA and pay a whole bunch of money for it, or I could get paid for learning. And so I got paid for learning. And so five years into working for people, I quit the, the working world and went into entrepreneurship where I launched my first, my first business, which was a custom software development shop. I grew that one to about $2 million a year in revenue and reinvested literally every single dollar into multiple startups that I built out. However, I didn't have classical business training, so I didn't pay attention to my cash flow. And I used up the money that pays my employees and the money that pays me and reinvested way too much of it. By the time it was 2008, I got my ass kicked by the financial crisis and shut everything down because I ran out of money and I ran out of contracts and I ran out of everything. And you weren't getting any investment. You weren't getting any loans. No one's was bailing you out. The only choice I had was close up shop. I was also pretty burnt out at the time. I was completely burnt out from working insane hours. I wanted to get married, have kids and so on. So I went back to the working world for another 10 years. After that, I worked a stint in, how can I say, I worked a couple of stints in startups where I was CTO, where I was VP of engineering, director of engineering, architect, developer, whatever, what have you. But I never lasted more than two years in these startups, right? Mostly, and in my case, the, when they say you don't leave your job, you leave your boss, right? You quit your manager. You don't quit your job. Your employment is fine. It's your manager that you quit. Yeah. In this case, literally almost every single time, that was exactly the case. Either the manager felt weak in front of me because, because I overshot them or my ambition got too much for the company, or I was literally told not to hire N-word people. I was actually told that, by the way, that was, that's an insane, that was an, that's an insane one. That's in like 2008. No, not 2008. Sorry, that was in 2015. People still talk like that in 2015. I didn't even know, but apparently they did. And I realized that that startup technical leadership was, how can I say, inefficient. It was problematic. Heck, I was in, in, I was in startup technical leadership for the last eight years of working for people. And, and so upon leaving my last job, upon leaving my last job, and I finally realized at that point, I finally realized employers really just don't care about you. They don't care. They say they care. They don't care. They'll replace you in a heartbeat. They'll push you out in a heartbeat. And, and that's it. That's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to copy this business model that I've seen out of Europe. It's called a fractional CTO. Now, the fractional business, fractional CEO exists, fractional COO, CMO, all of these exist. It didn't really exist for technology. And we're slowly seeing the trend shift. We're slowly seeing the trend shift in that, how can I say, in that a lot of companies are realizing that technical leadership is not necessarily a full-time role. Technical management is, you need someone to manage your team on a continuous basis, but that's not your CTO, right? That's not your CTO. And the more I talk to people, the more I talk to clients, and the more I talk on LinkedIn, 
the more people realize that actually makes sense. And and I have this the statement that I make to to everyone really right that that your CTO is a chameleon role. It evolves way too quickly for it to be filled by one individual over four generations of your business, right? Generations being in a startup, your gen- a generation of your business could be six months because you got funding. You get went from bootstrap to a team of 10, snap of a finger, right? That's a generation. In traditional business, that could take years for you to accomplish that level of growth, if you can call investment growth, right? And how can I say? And so what I realized is the, the first year, or let's just say year, first generation, your CTO is an engineer. Second generation, your CTO is a manager. Third one is a leader. And the fourth one is a visionary. What are the chances that it's the same individual? That's the big problem. Yeah. What are the chances? You go from creative, which is an engineering role, you got to solve problems to leadership in three years, because most startups will get a funding every year if they're really growing fast in three years. That's, that's a nuts. tough ask. It's a very dynamic individual who could shift between those. And it's not exactly. reasonable to think most could. Very few people do. That. Very few people are capable of that. I don't think I was capable of that. Like I went from engineering to management. I'm like, oh, this is boring. I don't want to do this. I want to do just do engineering. And then later on, oh, I, I just want to do leadership. I don't want to do the management part. I want to think it out, solve the problem, business, technology, merge it all together. And so I formulated this business model right? That's already existed. Some the fractional CTO role existed in Europe because Europeans love to rent. They're good with renting. They're good with borrowing. They don't need to own. North America, we like to own people. We like to own everything, right? It's a very complex relationship with employees. And so I formulated this model where you would pay me $14,000 a month, which is not a lot at all, right? I will be with you two hours a day. That's it two hours every day. And even then I struggle to find enough work to do in two hours a day. Still, right? So many clients, I downgrade them down to just one hour a day. I'm like, guys, like you don't need me more than this. Your team is running. I'm here to answer questions. I evolved the entire team. That's, that's how I do it. You don't need a CTO. You don't need one. You're going to need one when your team is 50, right? And maybe then, but, even, but until then, go get yourself a marketing person. It's more important than your CTO even though you're a technology company, right? So I created this model and this pricing that seems to have resonated with people because I'm always busy. Yeah, right now it's a bit of a down period, but it's all spinning right back up again, right? And, and so that's it. And that's where I'm at today in six, in about less than eight months, grew my business to about uh, half a million dollars, right? I've been in business for about a year. But it took six months just to get my first client. And then after that, boom, it just exploded. Then I'm busy 10 hours a week, uh, 10 hours a day, burning out completely. But the bank account is nice and filled. And a lot of it to take the week, the, the, the summer off. Yeah, good problems. <laughs> good, yeah, good problems to have. And then now you have to, now that you have money, now you have to market and grow and whatnot, which is now I'm shifting the entire model again. So if anybody wanted to reach out to you to get in touch with your current service offerings, how could they do? LinkedIn, Ashri Cohen is very few of them. Trust me. It's a very unique name. Ashricoin.me, my website. If you, if you want to go a full on traditional, but if you're on LinkedIn, you message me, I'm answering you within a few minutes, usually. And that's it. Great. Our listeners, make sure to reach out. 
And thank you, Ashri, for coming on the show and everybody listening for another episode of Feeling Success. If you like the show, make sure to give us a five-star review. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.